So it's all about risk and reward. Where are you in the cycle? Are you buying early or are you buying late? And right now it's a little bit on the later side, but that doesn't mean we can't shoot up another three, four, five percent into the end of the year, if not more. So if you're late now to the party, but you want to get some skin in the game, okay, where are you going to enter? Where are you going to exit if you're wrong? And how much are you going to risk if you're wrong? You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Sean Vincent. I'm the voice of Last Week in the Market. We'll be talking soon with Adam Sarhan. He's the brains of Last Week in the Market. Adam is Forbes contributor. He's the author of the book, Psychological Analysis. He is the creator of the Amped Trading Strategy. That's A-M-P-D. And he is the curator of the FindLeadingStocks.com newsletter. It's a newsletter that's designed for adherence to the AMT trading strategy. It's full of assessment of market conditions. And often when the trading windows open, like it is now, a lot of great actionable ideas for AMP traders to consider. It's an exciting time to be an AMP trader. The market's had huge growth since the beginning of November. One of the questions that some AMP traders have is, is it too late to take advantage of this rally? Has the buying window closed? Can you still take long position? Adam has some ideas on that. But before we get to all that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's November 22nd, 2023, the day before Thanksgiving, and here's what happened on this very short last week in the market. It would be natural for the market to pull back a little bit after these big gains over the last two, three weeks, but so far we haven't seen a significant decline while we wait for the inevitable drawback. Adam explains his brand of risk-adjusted optimism and how he's navigating this exciting time in the market. So, Adam, I kind of teased on our podcast last week that we would uh, kind of skip Thanksgiving and get people updated on the other side. Uh, but it's just too interesting. You've got me hooked on this. I can't look away. We've had actually – so while we're recording this on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, it's it's a short week already. We've only had two days of trading. There'll be a trading today. It'll be off on Thursday, and then there'll be a short day on Friday. Uh, but but this Monday and Tuesday, I think not inconsequential. Monday, I think we saw what uh, a little over a point gain on the QQQ, and then yesterday gave up about half a point. We're on consolidation watch. We've had such huge gains over the last couple of weeks. We're expecting the market to pull back. You say that would be healthy. It's tried a couple of times. Even yesterday, right? We lost. Uh, we pulled back half a point but the if you look at the the daily chart right or the the action it pulled back steeply in the morning and then climbed back slowly all day long which i know from my work with you that's a bullish sign when the market starts low and gets high so uh tell us a little bit about this we're we're, we're waiting for this consolidation but it seems to be happening very gently if it's happening and that's a very bullish sign. So yeah, Sean, you're spot on. Number one, it is a very intellectually stimulating business, game, exercise, endeavor, whatever word you want to use when you understand it. For Most people don't get it and they don't understand it and they just look away or they dismiss it or write it off. 
But for those of us that are listening here or that are interested or that do quote unquote get it, then it's, 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 I have yet to find any other activity in the world that is this fulfilling. Think about it. You've got drama. You've got action. You've got comedy at times. You've got new, new. Think about the emotions, Sean, too. There's new things happening that are exciting. There's always the challenge, the intellectual stimulation of who's going to win, me or you, me versus them. You know, am I going to win? Yes or no. And that constant challenges, new leaders, there's constant changes in the market, there's changes in the economy. It's so exhilarating when you really understand it. There's the dollar, there's currencies, there's gold, there's, there's the, you know, the rates, the 10-year, the Fed, the economy, you know, the real estate market, then there's real estate stocks, and then so on and so forth. It's just fantastic, for lack of a better word. And the stakes so, are high. And the stakes are really high. So my daughter, she's 11 now, and she played Fortnite, which is a popular video game for the first time, with one of her friends the other day. And my daughter's not really into video games, but her friend is in a big way. And she was on her team. She's like, I just hid in the bushes, and my friend won. They got second place. But she was like, it was so, and she used the same word. She was, she's like, it was a huge rush. And she, you know, the word is exhilarating. But she just, even though she didn't really participate in the acting and the shooting and all that kind of stuff, she saw it and you can get emotionally invested. And that's what happens in those kind of video games. But it's the same thing with the market where you get that emotional excitement, you get that rush and you get the wins and the losses and, and it's always something new. It's not like it, it ever gets trite or it gets old. It's constantly new. And that's to me is tremendously fulfilling on multiple levels. A, when you win, it feels fantastic. Yes, the money follows, but really, it's the act of winning. It's the pursuit of winning. That's the satisfaction. The money's a byproduct. Yes, the money's important. No way, shape, or form do I want to misconstrue and say money's not. Money is extremely important. But really, when you dive down deep into the motive, motivation, after a certain amount of time, you get a certain amount of money. Then it's like, okay, why do people keep doing this? And it's for that intellectual stimulation and excitement and emotional and intellectual and, and logical and every other kind of possible oh that you can think of when it's it's tremendously fulfilling yeah very satisfying and, and there's some satisfaction i think if somebody's relatively new to the market or new to the market in a very specific active way as a amp trader would need to be to to watch it to see it go through cycles and to begin to really understand what you see when you look at these stock charts uh pictures you know like out of chaos comes some sort of order you know, it's still mysterious. It's still unknown what's going to happen in the future. But you start to get, uh, you always talk about the quality of the market. You get a, a sense of it and you can read it and you can think about it critically. And that's satisfying as well. And that's a lot of what we're trying to, yeah. to do here in, in this podcast is for folks who know about you, who know about the FindlyStocks.com newsletter, how do you make sense of all the the information that you provide? And it's it's about learning how to feel the quality of the market. I have a guy named Scott who emailed me just yesterday and he was asking me, he came from the, from somewhere anyway, he was asking me, Sean, about NVIDIA. Mm -hmm. And NVIDIA is a big stock. And as we were recording this, a reporter from Barron's just called me and, and interviewed me about NVIDIA. And I own it, full disclosure, I'm long with the big cushion, big profit. So it's the leader in the AI space. And it was down after hours, but now in the pre-market as we're, recording this before Wednesday's open, it's up. Mm -hmm. And many times you see a knee-jerk reaction in the after hours that doesn't follow through. So he asked, is it a meh quarter, M-E-H? 
And that's kid language for blah or blase or just, you know, lackadaisical or whatever word you want to use. And no, it wasn't. It was actually a really strong quarter. And NVIDIA is a leader, a liquid leader in the AI space. And there's only if investors want to allocate to AI, there's only a handful of places they can go. So NVIDIA is in the last quarter, they had earnings explode by almost 600 percent. In the quarter ending October 31st, 2023, the company owned four, earned $4.02. The same quarter in 2022, they earned $0.58. Cents. Mm-hmm. That's $4.02 compared to last year. Same quarter, $0.58. Cents. An explosion of almost 600%. Revenue grew by almost 200, by over 200%. So if you look at the earnings, because earnings are really important, Sean, when you look at this. And I told Scott, I said, no, it's not a mad quarter. It's a very robust quarter, but the reaction is blah or meh. Why? Because the stock is already up massively this year. It's one of the liquid leaders that's helped the market rally so much. So when you look at all the the AI type stocks, if you're an investor, you want to invest in AI and you have a lot of money under management, you need the man you need and you want to invest in good high quality stocks, you need a stock that has liquidity. NVIDIA has 40, almost 44 million shares on average traded every day. Check that box. You want a stock that has robust earnings growth. Well, you can check that box as well because NVIDIA earned in 2023 or they're expected to earn $3.34. And next year in 24, they're expected to get this, go from $3.34 to $11.17, a gain of over 230%. And then the year after up to $18. So from $3 and changed where they are now to $18 in two years, that is massive growth. So a lot of this was priced into the stock and also investors after a big move up, it just went from 392 to 500 in about three and a half weeks. It's earned the right to digest and consolidate that big move. So the market's always looking to the right of the chart. And investors look to the left and they get confused. They're like, oh, well, how come it's not up 5,000% right now? A lot of this, because the market's a discounting mechanism. It's a forward-looking mechanism. A lot of this is already priced in. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying, too, yesterday, NVIDIA uh, popped up at one point and hit its all-time high, right? It kind of stuck its nose up above the July high, which was its all-time high at that point. So... We talk about market leaders, right? Your newsletter is findleadingstocks.com. You're looking for the leaders, the ones that are pulling things forward. And I think, you know, uh, across the board, we're looking for, uh, like the QQQ, we're looking for it to pop above its July high, which it did. It still has a little room to go before it gets to its all-time high. But we're looking looking for the market to go back above their all-time high and move forward again. And am I wrong to think of like NVIDIA or SMH, the semiconductor ETF, as leaders here? They both popped up above their all-time highs. Oh, 100%. So with this specifically, you have a situation where the semi- – look, on the weekend report, what did we say? We, I said the semiconductor index is leading, the SMH, mm-hmm. and that broke out on Friday. And then most likely the Qs are going to break out, and they did on Monday. So when you look at – parallels or correlations, not always, but many times you see market the sectors of the market that are highly correlated. So when you have a situation where stocks move together, and tech stocks are the leading group right now, bar none, no exception. So when you've got 
Apple, Facebook, you know, Meta, Google, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and so on and so forth. If you look at the one common thread, or the my friend calls it the golden thread, it's tech. So if the big money is focused on tech, the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100, it's no surprise that's a leading index. So for me, is I want to follow the leaders, go with the leaders, follow what's working. I'm not going to sit here and try to reinvent the wheel. I want to buy a stock that's going up. By definition, these leaders are going up. It's just that simple. And that think, let that sink in for a second. What I just say, I want to buy stocks that are going up. By definition, the leaders are going up. So that's why I'm so focused on leadership. So if leadership is tech right now, and as long as that continues, because that evolves, sometimes you know transportation stocks lead, financials might lead, depends where you are in the economy, the cycles, so on and so forth. But for right now, tech remains the standout leader. It behooves us as good investors and especially growth investors to look for those growing areas in the market and those leadership areas and tech's the leader. So stay focused on tech. Let me ask you this from a nuts and bolts point of view for entry points, right? So we just had a, a day where everything seemed to step back a little bit after explosive growth. Is there, if people aren't already in on these types of things, is now an opportunity? Great question. So uh, you just had the market have a huge move up in the last few weeks. I'm a big fan of knowing where you are in certain areas of the market and cycles and so on and so forth. This is a massive, explosive, powerful rally. You think you've had three down days since the end of October, and that is extremely strong. Now, odds are probability we're going to pull back. Would I get 100% invested right now? No. But if I had 0% invested, would I buy something with a close protective stop? Yes. So it's all about risk and reward. Where are you in the cycle? Are you buying early or are you buying late? And right now it's a little bit on the later side, but that doesn't mean we can't shoot up another five, three, four, five percent into the end of the year, if not more. Because once you get these these trading windows, which we spoke about before in this podcast, what happens? The window can stay open for a few months. Yes, you're going to have pullbacks along the way, but as long as you respect risk and you have good entry points, risk-adjusted entry points with clear exits if you're wrong, then I, I, I'd say, yeah, it'd be appropriate to start putting on some risk, but understand, be very mindful of the fact that probability-wise, we're going to pull back. The NASDAQ 100 is right now, as we're speaking, it's around 390 in the pre-market. The 50-day moving average is 365. That's a big, big difference. If you look at you know, historical runs, typically it gets... 10%, 12%, 13%, 14%, 15% above its 50 and then it pulls back. It's done that many times over the last several years. Now we're only about 7% above its 50 but we were up from the lows in the end of October to where we are now. You're up, I think, over 10% for the month. So where are we? Yeah, we're up almost 11%. That's a huge move. So yes, I would want to be long. I wouldn't go 200% invested right now. But wait for the next pullback, and if it's a healthy orderly pullback, then by all means, I would like to get as aggressive as possible because in the queues, because this is extremely bullish. And on a monthly chart, Sean, we've got what? We've got that big bullish cup and handle pattern we've been speaking about since July, and now you're breaking out above the high of the handle. So from that standpoint, this is extremely – it's a great time to get in, again, with respecting risk. That's the whole name of this game is just respect risk. So let's talk a little bit about risk because with AMP, there's like – there's a couple ways where you can 
limit your risk or, or account for risk. And one is, according to the AMP trading strategy, when you go long on a position, you don't want to risk more than 1% of your portfolio, right? And the way, yes. and, and probably less than that, half a percent. And the way you do that is when you buy into a position, and let's just say you're going to take 10% of your portfolio, you buy into a position, and then you set your sell stop in at 5 to 7% below your entry point, which means if you're wrong and the stock goes down, you'll get stopped out uh, at 5 to 7% below your entry point, which means uh, half a percent to you know, 0.7% of your whole portfolio lost. Small risk, yeah. right? And, and then by that account, you know, a lot of amped traders after the market started going down in July, they stopped out of a lot of their long positions. They went into cash. You tell us all the time that cash is a legitimate position, especially when you're playing defense, which means yes. now as the market's rallied, a lot of amp traders have gone in on long positions, moving out of cash. And the question is now, what are the considerations Let's just say by this this uh, nice and tight amped trading strategy scenario where you put in 10% to risk no more than 1%, then you've got 10 ideas you can work with, right? So so, so how, how do you – what are the considerations you have? Because this is part of risk too to know how much of your cash do you go into. Do you, are, you, are there amped traders you think that are in 10 good ideas? Are there still some cash reserves here? Uh, I know everyone's going to make their own strategy and judge their own risk. What are those considerations? Excellent question. So for each their own is the answer, period. <laughs> Tech with a financial advisor, no investment advice is being given. Everything's for general informational purposes only. Be very, very clear about that. At the most, Sean, it's 1%. Meaning if you have, if you're really bullish on an idea and you enter, to your exit. So you let's say you're gonna buy it at 100 and you're gonna exit, let's just give it really wide. I go five to 7% below my entry, but let's just say you wanna go down to 90, 10% below your entry. That's 10 points. If you have a $100,000 account, 1% 1 of that would be $1,000. So 1,000 divided by 10 would be 100. So you can buy 100 shares, right? Because if you buy it at 100 and it goes down to 90 and you sell it at 90 and you lose that those 10 points on 100 shares times that'll equal $1,000. That's 1% 1 of your account. Now. If you, you're, not as, you're not doing well, you're thinking about you're on a drawdown, the market's just not cooperating with you, you're out of sync, whatever the case is, you're late to the party, you can risk less. 1%, and I'm going to use another word, it's called basis points, is 100 basis points. So many times when I'm off, I'll go slower. I'll do, sorry, excuse me, I'll go smaller. Go 10 basis points, risk 20 basis points, risk, that's, risk 50 basis points, half of 1%. Or one tenth of one percent is 20, 10 basis points. Twenty is point two, right? So it depends on how you go. You don't have to risk a full one percent because if you're wrong ten times in a row, that you're down ten percent in your portfolio. If you risk one percent every time, but if you risk ten basis points ten times in a row, you're down a percent. So understand the math there. It's really, really important, and you don't have to risk. The maximum is one percent, in my opinion. So if you're late now to the party, but you want to get some skin in the game, okay, where are you going to enter? Where are you going to exit if you're wrong? And how much are you going to risk if you're wrong? Most most trades just don't work. 
no matter how good you are, the best traders in the world, right? To think of baseball, it's a great way of an analogy of explaining it to people. The best hitters in the world strike out 70% of the time, thereabouts, and they only hit 3%. But those three hits are home runs, grand slams, or great hits. They more than make up for the, the strikeouts. So and same thing in this business. If you can lose maximum 1% when you're wrong and then hit, even if you connect 30% of the time, then by all means, you can do extremely well. Now, understand as long as you keep your losses small, that's the key. So from a risk standpoint, if you're late to the party, but you see fresh breakouts or you see stocks that are moving or gapping up on earnings or whatever the case is, and you want to increase your exposure, by all means, feel free to do so. But just ask yourself, if I get if the market pulls back, A, am I going to be able to stomach the pullback? B, where am I going to exit if I'm wrong? Since most trades fail, it's a fact. For most traders, most trades fail that are actively trading. I'm not talking about people that buy and hold forever. I'm talking about most active traders. It's just the, that's the way statistics works. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are you going to do in that with armed with that knowledge, knowing that most trades fail? Are you going to load up the truck and risk 10% of your portfolio and every idea? And 10 trades later, you blow up and you you lose all your money? No. So that's where the risk comes in. You've got to be comfortable with the risk. And also, Sean, you've got to be able to sleep well at night. If you have too much risk on and you're losing sleep at night, which I've done before and I know many other people have as well, it's not a good idea. And if you – there's many things to consider here, but the size, how big your position is – is really, really important because if it's too big of a position, yes, you can make a lot of money if it goes up, but most likely it's not going to go up. It's going to go down on you. And if it goes down on you, what are you going to do? Are you going to panic and sell prematurely or you can be able to hold it till your stop? And if you're going to hold it till your stop, then are you comfortable taking that big loss? And if it's too small of a position and it goes up so much, hey, I didn't really make enough money. It doesn't even matter. This market's counterintuitive in nature. Another point to consider is that most people think they have to crush it. I've got to go 100% in or 50% of my money or 200% invested in one idea. And that one idea is going to crush it for them and do great. And then they'll double up their money and that one stock's going to make them a fortune. Yeah. No. And let me clarify something that you talked about with uh, the risk. You, you talk about not going in with 10% of your portfolio at risk in one idea. But if you're at 1%... If you're somewhere between, let's just say, half a percent and one percent on ten different ideas, you might have right. in total five to ten percent of your portfolio at risk, but you have it at risk in ten different ideas. And so Correct. some of those might tank and you've limited that loss to one percent or less, and others there's no limit to how well they could do potentially. And so you expose yourself to that, right? That's all within the, the AMP trading strategy, right? A hundred percent. And that's a really, really, really powerful point, Sean. Thank you for bringing that up. Because what happens is, is that most people look at the reward side of the equation and they ignore the risk side of the equation. They pull out their calculator. If I buy 10,000 shares of this stock, it's a dollar. It goes to a hundred dollars. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> okay. But realistically, that dollar stock's not going to a hundred and you have 10,000 shares and that's, too big of a position for you or too small of a position and either a you, you kind of lose it or you keep it it just the, the brain gets become scrambled eggs is what i call it and people get in their own way way too many times so let's just say it's going to go from a dollar to 100 are you going to have the stomach to hold it you don't know what's going to 100 if it gets to 12 you're up 20 percent are you going to be like hey i'm going to just sell it because i'm scared i'm going to lose my profits 
Remember, that's what most people do. They're programmed backwards. Buffett talks about this. He goes, you want to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. What does that mean? It means you buy something at 10, goes to 11 or 12. Most people are fearful and that they're going to lose their profits and they go back down and they sell it prematurely. Well, if the stock's going to go to 100, it's got to go to 11 and 12 first. That's when he said you want to be greedy. Now, on the other side, you buy it at 10, it goes to 9. Oh, I'm hoping... It goes back to 10. I just, I'm praying to God. Please, 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 please let it go back to 10. I'll get back. I'll get out of break even. What they should be doing is fearful it's going to go to zero or go to five, right? So that's why I said my markets are counterintuitive in nature. There you go. That's a great example of just most. And that's why people have to just learn how to think differently about the market and about their activity, their action, and more importantly, how they can make smarter decisions and plan for all of these blind spots that show up. And I'm not the one who's discovered this or saying this. This is universal. If you look at any of the great traders out there, they've got structure. I've got a whole coaching program, Sean, where people are interested, they can go to info, email info at finelatingstocks.com to learn more, where I work one-on-one -on -one with people or in groups, five people or in a group or three people in a group, we keep them small. Because it's another one of those, like Ray Dalio talks about. This is not the first time somebody has a problem tra trading. They can't get out of their own head. They don't have structure. They don't have a way of uh, uh, selling, taking wins or locking in losers. Or they don't have a way of distilling all of the information in the market down to actionable ideas. I call it filtering out the noise and focusing on the most pertinent, most important facts in the market and the, taking all the data that's out there and using it better than everybody else. That in a nutshell, that's what we do with the coaching service because everybody's different, but everybody's the same. Meaning you might have a different face, but the underlying emotions that drive your decisions are pretty much the same. I'm gonna describe the AMP trading strategy and also Adam, your whole life philosophy as uh, yes, risk adjusted optimism. I love that. <laughs> I'll end with a story. A few years ago, I was down in Cancun at one of the resorts, and I met this guy. We were checking out of the hotel at 6 a.m., and this guy behind me is dripping sweat, came back from a run. He's a guest at the hotel. And I, I'm like, what is this guy doing? You know, We had to get to the airport early. We had an early flight. And this guy, I, I start chatting with him. And I said, how are you? He goes, excellent. <laughs> he says in Spanish, he goes, excelente. Because at the hotel, the staff was trained to say excelente. And it was the thing the whole week was like, excelente, excelente, excelente. This guy comes back, excelente. He's um, English speaker, but he's just, you know, we threw it out there. I go, excellent. He goes, every day above ground is the best day of my life. And I said, wow, can I use that? As the, I, I like that. And he goes, yeah, it turns out he's a doctor from Toronto, doesn't speak Spanish, neither do I. And he, um, the, every day above, that's his attitude. Every day above ground is the best day of his life. So it's that attitude which I want to share with everybody and be grateful. What uh, today's the, I think Maya Angel had a great quote too. She goes, Today's the best day. I've never seen the day before. I've never seen this day before. I messed up the quote, but it's something along the lines of like, be very grateful for what you have. If you're always waiting for what you don't have, or if you're looking at what you don't have, it's like the cup being half full versus half empty, right? The greatest time to be alive in the market, to be alive, period, is now. It's today. It's right here, right now. And then it's right now. And it's, it's all eternity is, is a series of never-ending nows, present moments. It's a present. Enjoy it. Be grateful. Be thankful. Your biggest wins are in front of you, like Marty Schwartz says in the great book, Pitbull. Understand that. Really keep that in your heart of hearts. Your biggest winners are in front of you. You messed up in the past? Learn from it. Use your past as a school. Jim Rohn says that. It's an education.
Control it, learn from it, don't let it control you. And it doesn't even matter. Literally, the past doesn't matter. You're here right now. The next best decision is what matters. On that note, I'm very grateful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sean. And hopefully we'll speak to you again Well, here's soon. to the never-ending now. Adam, enjoy your Thanksgiving. I love that. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, everybody, thanks for listening through to the end of the podcast. That's our show for today. It's 11 noon when I'm editing this, and the NASDAQ and QQQ are still up a little over half a percent. We'll keep watching it. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, have a great Thanksgiving, and as Adam always says, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. It's the act of winning. It's the pursuit of winning. That's a satisfaction. The money's a byproduct.